We begin today the Gemara on the last line on Daf Lamed Vav Lamed Beis, My Prusbol. So this is the sugya of Prusbol, which is when you have the loans that pass through the year Shmita, and the year Shmita voids all the loans. So Hillel was Misaken that you write a Prusbol, which is basically giving over your loans to the Bezdin, and then you're able to collect the loan. So the Gemara here asks, what is this word, My Prusbol? What's the meaning of this word Prusbol? Where does it come from? Omer so Rav Chista answers, Prois, so Rashi says Prois means a takona, something that the Chachamim instituted, Buli Ubuti, for the rich and for the poor. So where do we see that the words Buli and Buti means for the rich and the poor? So the Gemara here brings, Buli Elo Ashirim, Buli means those that are rich, the Chsev, the Pasik says, Vishavarti es Ga'oi Nuschem, I will break the pride of your greatness, and this is when, when Yidin are going to be, uh, their, their pride will take them away from the Ebishter. And what does the word Ga'in uh, over there mean? The Tani Rav Yosef, on that, Rav Yosef explains, Elu Buloi Shabi Yehuda. These were the rich people in Yehuda that because of their richness, they strayed off, they went away from the Ebishter. So Buli means the ones that are rich. And Buti, Elu Ha'aniyim, Buti refers to those that are poor. The Chesiv, the Pasik says, Have Tavitenu, you should lend money to him. So apparently the word Buti has the two letters of Beis and Tes, that you have in the words of Havet uh, Tavitanu, which refers to a person that's poor and therefore he has to borrow money. So Rashi here explains that what this means is Prusbul, that Hillel was Misakin, the Takana of Prusbul, for the purpose of the rich and for the poor. But for the rich, that they shouldn't lose their money that they lent out, and for the poor also, that uh, they should have an opportunity to borrow money. Because if people uh, are going to know that they're not going to get paid back because of Schmidt there, they're not going to want to lend money. So it's actually interesting the way Rashi explains this because it comes out then that the Takana of Prusbol is different than the way it seems from the Mishnah that was quoted in the Gemara before. Before the Gemara quoted that the Prusbol Chachamim instituted was because Hillel saw that people are being over on the Pasek, <laughs> that you should be careful not to hold back from lending money to people and they were over on this lab. But here Rashi says that the purpose of the Prusbul was for the benefit of the Ashirim, for the benefit of the Aniyim, that the Ashirim shouldn't lose money, and the Aniyim shouldn't uh, have people close the door in front of them not to lend them money. Rav said to someone that spoke a different language, and he, he spoke, uh, and he said this word Prusbul, so he asked him, what does this word mean? My Prusbul, Amalei, Pursa de Milsa. It's a Takana for this matter. It's rectifying the matter, that's what the Prusbul means, the Takana. You can see over here, the Gemara, whenever it speaks about Prusbul, it says Prusbul with a Samach, but most times Prusbul is spelled with a Zion. So apparently Samach and Zion are interchangeable. So for some reason it, it, it got changed from Samach to Zion. When Rashi brings the word Prusbul, he says it with a Zion, the Gemara says it with a Samach. Yisaymim, and these are Yisaymim that are Ketanim. They're, they're under Bar Mitzvah, and they have a loan that, that they want to collect, that someone owed their father. So they don't need the prusbul to be able to collect that loan that was owed to their father. That's Rashi's Pshat the Gemara. Other Yishayim say that it's speaking about Yisayimim that lent money themselves, not uh, a loan from their father. Rami said the same thing, Yisayimim ain't Srikhim prusbul. You don't need a prusbul for Yisayimim that want to collect the money. 
Why? The Rabbi Gamliel, because Rabbi Gamliel and his Bezdin, in his times when he was the Bezdin, so he's the father of Yisaymim. When it comes to Yisaymim Ketanim, the Bezdin appoints an Apotropos, which is a Shliach of the Bezdin, to take care of the possessions and the money and everything that belongs to Yisaymim. So you don't have to do a Prusbal. The whole idea of Prusbal is that you give over the loan to the Bezdin. But by all Yisaymim Ketanim, the Bezdin naturally takes over the the loans and everything from the assignment, they're the ones that collect everything. So without making a principle, it's automatically that way, that it's controlled and run by the Bezdin. Tanan Asam, we learned there, going back to a Mishnah in Mesech Shvius, where it speaks more details about the halachas of Prusbal. So it says, there ain't case from Prusbal, el alakarka. You only write a Prusbal if the borrower owns a piece of land. And the reason for this is, Rashi says, because Chachamim only instituted Prusbal for a, a situation which is common. And like the common loans are only for, to a person that owns a piece of land. If he doesn't own a piece of land, the Malva is not ready to, to lend money, at least not big money, because he doesn't know, he has any, no guarantee that he's going to get paid back. So, so in a place where he does not own any land, that's a milsadul shchiche, so the takan of prusbol does not apply there. Im uh, if the borrower does not own a piece of land, mizakeyu betechsadeyu kolshu. So the Malva, the, 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 the lender, can be mezakitim, he gives him a small tiny piece of land in his property, and so they're kalshu, and a small piece of land, and with that, the, the prosbol is able to take effect. The kama kalshu, how much is this tiny piece of land that the loiva has to have, that you have to give the loiva so that you can apply, you can have the takon of prosbol? Even just one uh, piece of uh, cabbage, what, again, what? Cabbage stalk. Okay, even one cabbage stalk, a tiny piece of land, that's enough to be able to have the din of prusbal. What's the reason for this? I mean, uh, that, that, this is what the mob is relying on, that he's going to collect from this. So Rashi says, we, we had this in the Gemarik Subas, and we had it also quoted before, there's a story of Ketina da Abaye that was a tiny piece of property, and the mob was able to collect from this tiny property, and then it got reimbursed from the loive, and then he collected from it again. So it is sometimes possible that from a small piece of land, you end up collecting your entire loan. Taisus here says that when it comes to, to, to uh, real estate, when it comes to properties, there's no value. You can't, you can't evaluate what its value is because the value goes up and down. It could be a tiny piece of land, but if it's in an expensive place, the, the value could jump up very high and you could get even from a, a tiny piece a lot of money. Avyuda said even further than this, even if the Malve or someone else lent a space to the Loive, giving him the permission to place an oven, different types of ovens there, so he doesn't even own that, this Karka, but he has the rights to place his oven there, that's enough that the Loive has a piece of land that you can write a principle for this. So the Rishayim discussed this, I mean, what, what value is this piece of land? He, he, only, he only borrowed it. So some Rishayim say that from this Gemara you see, that even though the halacha is that if you borrow something, you can't allow someone else to borrow that item from you, because you only, only you have the rights to use it, not anyone else. But by a piece of karka, when you borrow a piece of land, the, the rights to use a piece of land, you are allowed to lend that use to someone else. So over here, you do have some kind of piece of karka that you could lend the use to someone else, or it has, has some value of karka that you have here. And therefore, <coughs> this is enough for prusbal. But the Gemara asks on this, Aini, could this be true? But Vatani Hillel, Hillel taught from Abraisa, and this Hillel is not the Hillel that was Mesachan the Takana of Prusbal. Rashi says this Hillel here was an Amaira. Ain Kaisvin Prusbal, you can't write a Prusbal, Elo al Otzitz Nakov Bulvad. 
if you don't own a piece of land, but all you own is a flower pot. So, but if that flower pot does not have any holes in it, and it's not getting its nourishment from the ground, so then you can't ride a prusbal, because you have to have a piece of karka. So it has to be connected to the ground. So what do we see from this? Nokovin, if it has a hole, then you can write a prosbol. Shane knock of life. If it does not have a hole, you could not write a prosbol. But the question is, why not? But that flower pot is sitting on a piece of land somewhere. Either that piece of land it's sitting on belongs to you, but even if it doesn't, we just said that if someone lends you that space and allows you to place it there, so that itself is enough that you can write a prosbol for it. So where is this otzitz sitting? This flower pot is sitting somewhere. So even without holes, you should be able to write a prosbol. This flower pot is not sitting on the, on the ground itself. It's raised up and it's sitting on pegs. And therefore, it's, it's, actually you don't have the right to use that piece of land that's under it because it's, it's sitting, uh, sitting higher up on pegs. And therefore, the only way you could write a prosbol is if there's holes in it and it still gets some nourishment from the ground. So therefore, you can write a prosbol. The Rishayim will ask on this, but what's, what's with the space of where the pegs are? The pegs are on the ground itself. The Gemara before said, even a small piece of krova, a small piece of cabbage is enough. So some Rishonim answered that before, it was talking about owning the piece of land. And it said, if you own a piece of land that has, over here it's talking about that you borrow the space. So when you only borrow the space, such a tiny space that you borrowed where you could only put pegs is not good enough. Yeah. Other Rishonim say that, that the, uh, the sikhi, the, the pegs itself, don't belong to you. The flower pot belongs to you, but the pegs don't belong to you either. So therefore, you can't, you can't uh, write a prosbo for this. Ravashi Maknila Gidmedikla. Ravashi, so he had a loan that someone owed him, so he gave to the borrower a Gidmedikla, a, a cut off uh, trunk of a tree that he should have, that, that piece of land that, uh, uh, from a date tree, a palm tree, yeah, because of that prosbul. And that, that was uh, the stump of the tree, okay, and that was enough to write a prosbul for it. Rabbana de Ravashi, okay, this is a, sort of another halacha here regarding prosbul, and this is actually the way we do it today. Till here we learned in the Gemara that a prosbol, you have to write a star, and you have to have the Dayanim or the Edim, sign it and so on. But here the Gemara says, Rabbanon de Beravashi, Masri Milayu Lahadadi. So they would give over their loans one to another. They would have a bezin of three and they would say to each other, I'm giving over my loan to you. And then, then they, the others would say back, I'm giving over my loan to you. And like this, each one created a prosbol by giving over their loan to each other. This is the way we do it today. Right? So from here, the Rishayim speak about this exactly how it has to be done, but the Roman Shochanarach and the Alter Rebbe also Shochanarach brings this at Bepoil. The way we do the Prusbal today is you don't write it in any document, but you just give it over to a Bezdin like we do it today by the Ataras Nadarim. Rabbi Yenison Rab gave over his loan to Rabbi Barabe. He just told him verbally that he's giving him over his loan. And Amalei, then he asked him, Do I have to do anything else besides this that I gave over my loan to you? Amalei, no, there's nothing else. This is enough. Another chiddush here in this Gemara is, it seems from the Gemara that he gave it over to Rabchia Bar Abba alone. So some Rishonim say that Ataka means that he gave it over to one person even without a Bezdin. Even though we said before it has to be a Bezdin. So, but some Rishonim say that he was a Yochid Mumche, that it's possible that he can give it to one person. But the Rosh here says that the, it said, when it's, even though it says in the Gemara Rabchia Bar Abba, there was another two people along with him. You have to have a Bezdin of three. Going back to the subject of the fact that the loive must own a piece of karka for the uh, principle to take effect. So if the loive does not own a piece of karka, but but he has a guarantor, if he doesn't pay the loan, so then the guarantor will pay the loan, that orev owns a piece of karka. That's enough, you can write a principle for this. 
loy ula arev elan karka, not the loyve, and or not the guarantor own a piece of karka, but ula chayiv loy yesh le karka. But there's another individual that owes money to the loyve, and he has a piece of karka. That's how Rashi says. Rashi says it's only if it's someone that owes money to the loyve. Others say that, uh, other Rishayim say, even if there's a third person that owes money to the Arev, not necessarily to the Leiv himself. But even with this, Kaisu and all of Prusbul. You could write a Prusbul. How could you write a Prusbul? The Leiv doesn't own a piece of Karka. The answer is, Midr Abnasen. This is based on what Rabnasen said. The Tanya, Rabnasen Naim, Rabnasen said the following Allah. How do you know that if you are collecting money from your friend? A money from your friend. And then the chaveda, the chaveda. And the friend of yours that you're collecting money from, he owes you money, someone else owes him money. Right? So basically you have Reuben, Shimon, and Levi. So Reuben lent money to Shimon, and Shimon lent money to Levi. So in such a case, that you take the money from Levi, and you give it directly to Reuben, without Shimon in between. Since Reuven is collecting from Shimon, and Shimon would collect the money from Levi, so you just take the money directly from Levi and give it to Reuven. Tamad so the Pasuk says, Give the money to the one that is guilty, the one that you owe the money to. This is in a case where a person swore falsely, and then he has to pay the money, and he also, there's a penalty, he has to pay a chaymish. So the Pasuk doesn't say, give the money who you stole it from, when you deny that you owe the money. It doesn't say, it says, give it to the one that's Osham Loy. The one that you're guilty to, which means not necessarily to the one that you borrowed the money from, but the one that the money should end up by, which is the first person here. If it's Reuven, Shimon, and Levi, so the Levi gives it to Reuven. That's uh, the din of Rabnasen. This is brought in Shas many times. It's known as Shibuddha de Rabnasen. There's a very big discussion in Rishayim about this because the concept of Shibuddha de Rabnasen seems to be very simple and logical. What do you need a big Chiddush over here from a Pasik that you can do this? There's a Rashi in another place that says that... Levi can't say to Reuven, Who are you? I don't, uh, I don't know you. How are you coming and collecting money from me? I borrowed money from Shimon. I don't owe you any money. So that's why he's saying, no, Reuven can take Levi to a Dintaira and collect money from him. There's, more, there's a very big discussion in Rishenim about this. There's also a uh, beautiful Rishime from the Rebbe, in Cheveres Kufnum Vav, where the Rebbe explains this halacha of Shibudu de Rabnasen, Beruchnius, to Avedis Hashem, Torah mitzvahs amongst Yidin. And the Nekudah that the Rebbe there says is that the Ebeshter mm-hmm. comes and demands from every Yid to pay up the dues that he owes. His Neshama came down into the world and he has to pay up. And the Yid turns to the Ebeshter and says, I don't have what to pay. So who comes to support the Yid that doesn't have what to pay? So the, the Tzaddik, the Nasi of the Dur, the Moshe Rabbeinu and the generation, he comes, he's the one that has the responsibility to, to give the Yid the Kayach that he should be able to pay the Ebeshter. And he goes and, and, and gives a, the payment for a year that can't pay for himself directly to the Ebishter. That's the Chlol, the Pshat that the Rebbe says, a very big Arichas, the Rebbe speaks about this, uh, the, the whole, all the different details that Abnasen says here. Correct, the Rebbe needs to own Karka. Because he needs a guarantee. Yeah. So the Arab is the guarantee, what the Arab is Karka for. And Khanani, but if the Arab has no Karka, then it's a very bad guarantee. If the Arab himself doesn't own a piece of karka, so he's guaranteeing he's going to pay, but uh, the Malva is not, is not relying on that too much. Just to, just to remind me, that another word that the Rebbe mentioned, Kamapaman, regarding this halacha, that for Prozbul, you need to own a piece of karka. What happens today if a person doesn't own a piece of karka? So some Rishonim say you could rely on the fact that every single Yid owns in Eretz Yisrael Daladams. Daladams, every single Yid owns four Amas in Eretz Yisrael, so you can write a Prozbul, or say the Prozbul the way we say it today.
Tanan Osam is going back again to the Mishnah there in Shvius. So there the Mishnah says as follows: Hashvius Mishametes Hasamilda. Shvius voids alone. Bein Bishtar, whether this alone that's written with a document, Bein Shaloi Bishtar, whether alone without a document. So what does the Mishnah mean when it says whether with a document or without? So there's a machlokes here. Rav Shmuel Domri Tavayu. Rav Shmuel both said Bishtar sheyesh beachrais nechosim. When it says Bishtar, it means a document written properly where you're taking responsibility that you're going to pay with your properties that you have, with karka. There's a lien on your properties. That's what shtar means. Shuloi bishtar means that even if there is a document, but there's no lien through this loan that's placed on your properties. And kol milve alpe. And definitely, if the loan has no document at all, so definitely the shmita will come and void this loan. But Rabbi Yechen and Rabbi Shimon Lokish both said, when the Mishnah said Bishtar, it meant Bishtar, Shtar She'enboy, Achrais Nechosim. It only meant such a kind of a document that there's no lien on your properties because of this loan. And Shaloi Bishtar, when it says without a Shtar, means literally without any Shtar at all. Milva Alpeh, a loan that was just made uh, without any Shtar at all. If you have a proper star and you take responsibility that the payment could come from your properties as well, so then Schmitte will not void such a loan. And Rashi explains this, we'll see in the continuation of the Gemara, because it's as if those properties are already, were already collected by the lender. Because your properties, if there's a lien on it, is here. The properties are not going anywhere. So it's, it is a lien on it. And that lien itself is sort of a, a certain aspect of ownership. It's as if he collected it already. So how could Shmita avoid this loan? It's as if it's his already. Tanya, we learned We learned like their opinion, that once there's a lien on the properties itself, there's no Shmita does not void this. So there's a price that says, That uh, even if there is a document for the loan, still Shmita voids the loan. But if there's a lien on the properties, ain't a Mishamit. So then it does not void the loan. Exactly like they said. Tan Yedoch, and another Braise we learned similar. If when you borrowed money, so the Loive made very clear exactly from which property the Malva will have a right to collect, he, may, he showed him the borders of the property where he could collect from. So then, it doesn't void the loan because this is already like collected to the lender. Furthermore, the Baraisa says, even if he didn't mama show him a specific property, all of my properties are responsible and are guarantees for this loan. So the Schmidt will not void it because it's already like collected. So the story happened with a relative of Rabasi. So he had a loan that he lent someone and the star he had was written in it. <laughs> that there's a lien on the properties of the borrower. Asla kameh Ravasi, so came to Ravasi after Shmitah. Such a kind of loan. Does Shmitah void the loan or not? No, because there's a lien on the property, so it's like collected, so it doesn't void the loan. So he left him and he came to Rav Yechenin and he asked Rav Yechenin the question. Rav Yechenin says, no, even such a kind of loan does void the loan. So after Rav Asi heard that Rav Yechen and Paskin different than him, so Rav Asi came to Rav Yechen and Amalei Mishamet the Mishamet. Such a case, does it void the loan or not? Amalei Mishamet. So Rav Yechen says yes, it does. It does void the loan. 
Tzvaravasi asked him, but Vahomar, who the Omar, ain't a Mishamit, Rabbi Yechen and Ishlakish, before both said that when there's a lien on the properties, then it does not void the loan. Omalei, Rabbi Yechen answered him, Vichim, Ipnesha, Onu, Medamin, because we have a Svarim, we have a certain idea that we came up with that it should be considered as if the property is already collected, so you can't void the loan. Nasa Maisa, should we paskin like this? I said a Svarim. But Rashi says he didn't have a Kabbalah from his teachers that this is the halacha. So it's not enough to rely on the svara that you have to paskan la halacha lamaisa. Amalera, Vasi asked him further, but Vatanya kvasei demar. We brought before more than one braise that supports what this svara that you said. So it's not your own svara. Amalei, so he answered him, this braise is not enough of a proof. Because Dilma possibly ahi beishamahi. That Bryson may only be following the opinion of beishamah, and we never pass him like beishamah. What's beishamah's opinion? The Omri beishamah say shtar ha'oimid ligbois kegovidomi. That any document which is standing to be collected is as if it's collected. Beishamah says this regarding a ksuba by a saita. In the case of a saita that didn't get a chance to drink the waters of the saita to determine if she was mezana or not. And uh, her husband passed away before that. Could she collect her ksuba or not? It's a suffix. Beishamai says, yes, she has a chazok. It's as if it's already in her possession. So maybe the braises before that say that when there's a lien on the, on the, uh, on the karkois, that there's no shmita, maybe that's only Beishamai's opinion. But we can't prove from there that we should pass in this way. Okay, going back to the Mishnah in Shviz. Tanan Hosom, we learned in the Mishnah of Shviz. Hamalves chavere mois alamashkin. You borrow money from, uh, from your friend, or you lend money, that is, to your friend, on a collateral. So now you have already an object in your possession for the payment right away. Or you give over your status to the bezden. This is basically the concept of a prusbal. According to Rashi, this is the same thing as a prusbal. So Shemitah does not take effect for the loan. When it says that you give over the documents of your loan to the Bezdin, the Tafsulu Beidina. So the Bezdin now has your loan, like we learned before. And here Rashi brings the opinion of Rava before that there's a Kayach of Hefke, Bezdin, Hefke. So Bezdin's collecting the loan, so there's no Loyigais. You're not pressing the Loyve to collect. But Ella, Malvala Mashke, my time. If you lend someone money and he gives you a collateral, why should Schmidt not take effect? Because you're already holding on to something as a payment. So when it comes the time of payment, you don't have to press him to pay you. You already have something in your possession from him. If he wants to get it back, so he's going to have to pay you for it. But you don't have to press him for anything. So Abaye said, if that's the case, if that's the reason why when you have a collateral, so then the Shemitah will not take effect. So if so, what's in a case that you lent money to someone? And you happen to be living in the house or the courtyard of this uh, person that you lent money to, the toughest slave. So you, so you also you you sort of you live living in his house. If he's not going to pay you, you can just stay there. You can be a squatter and live in his house without uh, paying rent because you lent him money and he's not paying you. So you also sort of already have something in your hands from the loyve, uh, and you will, you will not have to press him. Are you going to say the same halacha even without an actual mashkin? Are you going to say that the, the Shemitah will not take effect? So Rav answered him, it's not the same thing. Shani mashkin. When you get an actual collateral, not stop living in his house, but when you get an actual collateral from him, that's different. The A mashkin, you acquire it. It's yours to some extent. And we see this from what Rabbi Yitzchak said. Rabbi Yitzchak said, How do I know that a Balchayv, a Malva, that collects a Mashkin, so he has a rights, he, has a, he acquires this Mashkin. 
Shanama, the Pasik says, Lachati Yitzdaka, that it'll be a tzedaka for you. What is the Pasik there saying? The Pasik says that when you take a mashkin, so if it's something that the, the loiva needs at night, give it back to him at night. And if he needs it by day, give it back to him by day. And this will be a tzedaka, the fact that you're allowing him to use it. Now, it's Rabbi Yitzhak said on this, if you did not acquire it, tzedakim inayin. Why is the pastor referring to this as a tzedakah? You're giving it to him as a tzedakah? It's, it's not even yours. You have to give it back to him. So from this I see that when a lender takes a collateral, it becomes yours to some extent. You have the achrayis over it. and so, so therefore, only by a mashkin do you say that Shemitah will not take effect. Right to the Gemara says, another halacha there in the Mishnah in Shviyas. What? Okay, yeah, mashkin and metaltalin, correct, yeah. Even that? Huh? You're it, correct, he's kainet. So Tanan Osamet says there in the Mishnah of Shviyas, b'shviyas. So if someone comes to return alone to his friend after Shemitah, right, so here Rashi says this is uh, in the, after the end of Shemitah, because the, the halacha is that Shemitah only takes effect at the end of the year of Shemitah. That's when it absolves, that's when it voids the loan. So he comes and he co- to pay him after Shemitah. The lender has to say to the borrower that wants to pay him, He has to verbally tell him, I, I leave go from the loan and therefore the, you don't have to pay me. Now, If the lawyer comes and says, no, I still want to pay, so then he can accept the payment from him. Shenemar, because the Pasik says, dvar that this is the words of Shemitah, the halach of Shemitah, that's the simple meaning of the Pasik. But dvar Shemitah means that the mitzvah of Shemitah's ksafim consists just of the fact that when the borrower wants to pay, the lender has to tell him that no, I, I let go, you don't have to pay me. But, but more than that, you don't have to do. If he, he wants to pay you, you can, you can take this payment. Here, from this uh, piece of the Gemara you see here, the Rebbe discusses this in Yambarichas and Asicha, there's a big discussion regarding what happens when the Shemitah voids the loan. Does it really mean that Shemitah automatically completely voids the loan? The Lashon that it says in uh, one of the Rishayim is, it's an afkata de Malka. The Ebishter comes and just uproots the entire loan? Or no, the loan is still a loan, but you have a mitzvah to let go of it and not collect. So here it says that you have to say that I'm not collecting from you. But if the borrower says, I want to pay anyways, so then, so then you can just take the loan without a problem. And here the Gemara goes even further and says an unbelievable thing. Omar Rabbe, Rabbe said about this, or Rabbe, there's a guy that's here, the tolile adam You could hang him, you can, the, 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 the lender could hang the borrower, he can force him to pay him, if he can, if he, he can force him to pay him, and even though it's Shmita, and first you say, I let go, I don't, I'm not collecting. But then after that, once you say, you can force him to pay you. And he should say, that I do want to pay. That's Rashi's trap in the Gemara. Somebody's showing him mask on this, because it, it sounds like, uh, so you're, you're, basically there's no point to this entire Shemitah. It's just a matter of words. You're saying that, but then you could go and hang him and force him to pay you after you said, so there is other pshatim and rishayim, but regarding Rashi's pshat, the Bach says and other mafarshimir say that if the loyven never came and offered to pay, so then you're not allowed to force him to pay you. Once he came and offered to pay you, Elamai, you said mishamatani, so you fulfilled your mitzvah of Shemit by saying mishamatani. But since he offered to pay you, you don't have to do any more than that. Now you could actually force him to pay you. Okay. Right to the Gemara says, Esve Abaye, Abaye asked on this that Rabbah or Rav said he could force him to pay you after you said Meshamatani, because it says in the Brayse, if the Leiva wants to pay you anyways and he gives the pay, 
He shouldn't say that I'm paying you for the loan that I owe you. What he should say is, Really, I can keep this money because you already told me, I'm giving it to you as a gift. Okay, so, so what do you see from this? So, so the Gemara understands, Abaya understands over here, that if, if he's giving it as a gift, you can force someone to give you a gift. You can't force him. So how could the Rabbi say that you force him? So Rabbi says, no. You could force him until he tells you that I'm giving you this gift. So here the Gemara brings the story how this played out actually. Abba Marta. So one of the Amiroim by the name of Abba Bar Marta, or Duhu Abba Bar Minyoimi, or he had another name, Abba Bar Minyoimi, have a Masik Beirovez Rabbe Zuzi. So he owed money to, to Rabbe. Rabbe wanted to collect money from him, and it was after Shmita. I seen in LA Bishvia, so he brought him the, to, the, he came to him to pay him the loan after Shmita. Amalei, so Rabbe said to him, Mishamatani, I let go from the loan, you don't have to pay me. So Shaklinu Vazal, so he was happy, he took his money and went, so he didn't pay. Also Abaya, Abaya came to Rabbe, Ashk Chedava Otsiv, he sees that Rabbe is, is uh, sad. Amalei, Amai Otsiv, Mar, what, why, why are you sad today? Amalei, Hochi Abamaisa, this is what happened. This person owed me money, and I told him Mishamatani, and he, he took it, and he, he, he didn't pay me. So so Abaya went to Abba Bar Marta, Amalei, and he said to him, did you bring money to pay Rabbi, the money that you borrowed from him? Amalei, yes, I did. Amalei, so Abai says to him, what did Rabbi tell you? Amalei, he told me that I don't have to pay him. Amalei, so Abai tells him, and did you offer any ways to pay him for this loan? Amalei, no, I didn't say to him, Amalei, so Abai said to him, if you would have tell, told him that I anyways want to pay you, have a minach. He would have he would have taken the pay from you. So now go now and, and, and offer him to pay him the, the loan that you owe him. And tell him that I still want to pay him. So Abba Mamarta went. He brought the money to Rabbe. And he told him I still want to pay you. And and Rabbe took the pay from him like like the psakdin that Rabbe himself said before. Omar, so then Rabbi said, This Talmud Chacham did not have his mind with him from the beginning to realize that when I said, that's the fulfillment of the mitzvah, and after that, he should pay me the loan anyways. Omar Rav Yudah, Omar Rav Nachman, Rav Yudah said, in the name of Rav Nachman, A person's belief to say, when he comes to collect a loan after Shemitah, and he has to show that he has a prusbul, that he could collect his loan. Even if he doesn't have that prusbul, he's believed to say that I had a prusbul and I lost it. Usually, a person that doesn't have any document to prove his loan, he's not believed to say that he lost it. But here, you are believed. My time, eh? what's the reason? Since Chachamim instituted that you write a prusbul to be allowed to collect your loan, so we have a chazaka. A person would not leave an option that he has to collect the loan v'heter, and he's going to collect the loan be'iser. So he must have wrote a prusbul. We have a chazaka. We can rely on it. When they came to Rav, Rav actually did not rely on this. Rav said, midi Sorry, again, Rav actually did agree to this. Rav went even a step further. Rav actually supported, and he, he even brought up this idea from the beginning. midi He would ask the, the Malve. You don't, you're not showing a prosbul, but perhaps you had a prosbul and you lost it. So even if he doesn't bring up this, this taina himself, Rav would, would tell him the taina before. 
Now, this is also a very big chiddush. Usually, and a bezdin is not allowed to tell any of the litigants in a dintaita a taina that they could say. But if you hear Rav himself brought up this taina that you probably had a prusbul and lost it, no? And the Gemara says, this example is a situation where Bezdin is allowed to do this because psach pichal ilim hu. This is a lashon of a pasuk that sometimes Bezdin has to open the mouth of the one that's mute and has to tell him something that's obvious that we know that he should say. So now the Gemara brings a question on this, but Tanan, we learned in the Mishnah, so the Mishnah Ksubah says, that a bachayv that takes out a shtar chayv to collect money with it. But he does not have a prusbal with him, and it's after Shemitah. So this does not get paid. So here, this mission is saying that without a prusbal, you don't get paid. And Rashi explains this must be speaking about a case where the person is saying that he had the prusbal and lost it. And that's the chiddush over here in this Mishnah, that even though he's arguing that I had a prusbal and lost it, nevertheless, he can't get paid. Says the Gemara Tanoihi, this halacha is a machlekes Tanoim. The Tanya and another Brayso we see, we learned, Hamaytzi Shtar Chayv, a person that takes out a document to collect his loan after Shemitah, Tzorich Shiyehei Imay Prusbal. He must have the Prusbal with him. He's not believed to say that he had one and lost it. But for Chachamim Maimrim, Einit Tzorich. Chachamim say, does not need the Prusbal. He's believed with the Chazaka we mentioned before that a person would not eat Isser if he could eat Heter, so he doesn't need a Prusbal with him. This is the conclusion of the Sugi of Prusbal. Okay, let's learn another piece over here in the Gemara. We begin a new Mishnah. This is another Mishnah, and the other Mishnahites we'll see here, which is connected to the Takonis that we brought before, a Takana that Rabbi Gamliel was Mesakin. So here this Mishnah is another Halacha, which is related to a certain Takana that Chazal were Mesakin. Zogteilige Mishnah, Evet Shenishba, an Evet Kenani, that was captured by Goyen. And uh, he wants to, um, we want to get him redeemed, Upadu. And Ayid came and redeemed him. If the one that redeemed him, redeemed him with the purpose of him still being a slave, you stop it. So then he's going he's gonna to be redeemed of the guy that captured him, but he's still going to have to be a slave. But if the one that redeemed him, redeemed him with the purpose of him being completely freed from his master, then lo it. So then he's not going to have to work at all. Rabshim Gamliel says, Benkach, Benkach. Either way, no matter what the intention of the one that freed him was, either way, he's going to have to go back to work. What is the case over here with this slave that got captured? If you're going to say that the original owner of this slave did not give up, did not give up hope of freeing this slave and getting him back, he owns him. So, if there's someone else that comes, and frees this lady, pays and frees him from, from the captivity, why should he not still have to go back to his original owner to, to, be, to work for him? I mean, he, he's still owned by his original master, and his original master never gave up, because there was no, no yish at all. You're going to have to say, what is it speaking about after the original owner gave up already for him? And the yish, you lose, you lose rights over this evet. Once you gave up, so then the yish, you, you have no ownership over him anymore. So, if, so the question is, the shum evet, so when it says that the one that freed him, freed him with the purpose that he should go back to be an Eved, why should he have to go back? And at this point, the Gemara thinks that it means to go back to work for the original owner. But why? He was already Miyayish. So the Gemara here brings two pshatim for this. Omar Abayas, Abayas says, We're talking about over here a case where the owner did not give up for, for, for his slave to get him back. Now, but Lushum Eved, if the one that freed him, Freedom in order that he should uh, go back and work. So then he has to go back to work for his first master, which never gave up uh, on him. 
this, it does mean, though, that the first master is not going to get him back for free. He's going to have to reimburse the person that freed him, but he's going to have to go back to the first master because he still is his owner. But if he freed him, if the one that freed him was with the intention that he should be free, so then so then he's not going to have to work not for his first master and not for his second master. And the Gemara explains why not. For the second, for this individual now that came and freed him, he doesn't have to work for him. Because he freed him with the intention that he should be a free man. For the first master, he also does not have to go back and work, even though he never gave up on him. So here, this is a takana. What's the takana of Chazal? Because people will hold themselves back of freeing this slave if they know that I'm freeing this slave and he's, he's not even going to be a free man. He's going to go back to have to work for his first master. So people will hold themselves back from freeing this slave. If he's a full yid, if he becomes free, they'll free him. But otherwise, they're not going to free him. On that, Rav Shem Gamliel said, Either way, whoever frees him, whatever his intention was, he is going to have to go back to work for his first master. Kesava, Rav Shem Gamliel disagrees with this takana. Chachamah were not masakin this, because Kishem Shem Mitzvah, Liftis is Ben Chayrin, just like there's a mitzvah to go and free a Yid, that's a Ben Chayrin, from captivity. So to there's a mitzvah to free a slave that's in captivity. A slave is also a partial yid. He has mitzvahs like a, like a woman. So there's a mitzvah to free the slave. So the fact that after you free him, he's going to have to go back and work for his master is not going to prevent people of uh, wanting to go and free him. This is one pshat. So this is a bias pshat in the Mishnah. It's speaking about when the master did not have any yish. He did not give up on getting back his slave that was captured. Rav has another pshat, The Mishnah is speaking about over here when the master already gave up on him. So if the master gave up on him, so why should in any situation this slave go back to the first master? So, the, so Rav explains, What it said over here in the Mishnah that when the person freed him to be an Eved, so he has to go and work, he doesn't go work back to his first master, he already gave up on him. He has to work for the one that freed him. This person now. And if he frees him with the intention that he should be a free man, he doesn't work not for the first master, not for the second. And that's simple. For the second one, not the Holy Shem and Parke. He redeemed him with the intention that he should be free. Because it's after years. So it's after years. She doesn't work for anybody. It's according to this opinion, the Tanakama is not saying any Takana. Tanakam is saying very simple. He was Miyayish. So the first master doesn't get anything. But the second, the second one, the one that's redeeming him now, if he's redeeming him in Lashem Eved, so then he acquires him. The Gemara will later explain how could the, the, the one that's redeeming him now acquire him. He, he's acquiring him from who? He's acquiring him from the people that captured him. How, how do they have any right to him, Bechlal, to, to sell him to him that he should not own him? The Gemara will explain this later. Now on this, according to this pshat of Rave, Rav Gamliel came and said that there's a takon of Chazal. Benkach or Benkach, Yishtabed, either way, no matter what the intention of the person that freed him was, even if his intention was that he should go free, he's still going to have to work for him. As Chizkiya said, Why did the... The, the Rav Shem Gamliel say that either way he's going to have to go and work. And this is actually means he doesn't work for the second person that redeemed him. It actually means he has to go back to work for the original master, even though the original master already gave up on him. 
Why does he have to go back and work for him? Because otherwise, this is a very simple way for an Eve to get himself free. He's going to go and throw himself to Goyim that are, that are going to capture him. And then, someone, he's going to, the master is going to give up on him, and then he's going to get freed by someone else. So, this, so we, we don't want to have, to have this loophole for these Avadim to free themselves. So therefore... According to, according to the Pshat of Rav, Rav Shimim Gamliel is saying that there's a special takana that when he's freed, he has to go back to work for his first master. Okay, so the Gemara here brings a Braise, which will clearly point out the Pshat that Abayah said, and not Rav's Pshat. So Meisve, the Gemara asks, Amalein Rav Shimim Gamliel, Rav Shimim Gamliel said to the Chachamim, Kishem she mitzvah liftes as b'nei chayrin, kach mitzvah liftes as avadim. That why are you saying that there's a special takana that Chazal made that when he was uh, when he's being freed that he has to go back and uh, again that he goes free again according, according to uh, Abayis Pshat Chachamim made a special takana that he goes free and on that Abshum Gamliel responded no he doesn't go free Kishem either way. Yidin will not hold themselves back of freeing this Eved because <coughs> either way there's a mitzvah to free him and everyone will do it. That's the, the Lashon that it says in the Brayse. Now this is exactly Abayi's Pshat. Abayi said that the case over here is that the first master never gave up at all. So therefore that was the Pshat that Abayi explained before. That the Tanakhama said that there's a Takana that he should go free. And, and then nevertheless, so on that, Abshom Gamliel responds, no, we don't have to be Mesachim that he goes free. But according to Rabbi that said that the Pshat is, that the master already gave up. So there's no Takana. The, the opinion of the Tanakam is not based on any Takana. It's already after Yish. So then it, 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 the Tanakama was saying that it depends on the, on the Kavon of the person that's freeing him. If he goes free or not, but there's no takon over here. So hi kishem. So why is Rav Shmuel Gamliel responding with this svar of kishem that only fits with Abai's opinion? What Rav Shmuel Gamliel should be saying is that there's a special takana, like Rav explained, like Chizki said, that Rav Shmuel Gamliel is the one that said that there's a special takana that he should always have to go back to his first master. So, so this is clearly a brayso like Abai, not like Rav. He wasn't sure when Rabbanan said their halacha that there's a distinction whether the one that's freeing him is freeing him with the intention that he should be free or with the intention that he should be an Eved so they didn't understand 100% what Rabbanan was saying. And therefore Rabshim Gamliel is responding to the Chachamim and saying as follows If you're saying your opinion and it's before the first master gave up so Hainu Kishen. So therefore, I answer you that no, we always have to allow him to. Uh, sorry, Hainu Kishen. They responded and said that no, that we, we we always say that he can go back and be an eved, because people will not hold themselves back of uh, of freeing him. So this is the, the lashon of the Braise. That's if the Tanakama was speaking about a case of lifne yish, il acha yish komrisu, and if the Chachamim are speaking about a case of after yish, then kedechiskia. So then the, the Svar will be like Chizkiya said before, that Rav Shem Gamil was Masak in a special Takana, that uh, he should always have to go back to the first master. So according to Rav, Rav Shem Gamil was not sure what the Rabbanon was saying. That's why the Braise brings this Svar as well. Okay.